My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Joanne Jaffe and Peter Garden. Budget cuts, user fees, privatization, deregulation, tax cuts for the wealthy and corporations, austerity, neoliberalism. Whatever language is used to describe a given instance of the overarching agenda described by these terms, it boils down to a process of shifting resources and power from those who already have less to those who already have more. For the last few decades, this agenda and these goals have weighed heavily upon our political culture. Sometimes they are aggressively and boldly pursued, at other times sneakily and covertly enacted. But it is nearly impossible to find a mainstream political party anywhere in the industrialized world, even those bearing names that tie them historically to the left, which are committed to actively and resolutely working against these priorities. Despite the ubiquitous and massive pressure, however, the speed and degree to which these policies are implemented in any given place and any given moment varies a great deal. For years, it will be a slow drip, 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 and then a particular constellation of circumstances will put their proponents into overdrive, and suddenly an all-out austerity assault will fill the headlines. On the one hand, it can be ominous and discouraging to always be living under the threat of the screws being tightened. On the other hand, this highly uneven character is also a source of hope. It works this way because those who are implementing this agenda can't do it any other way. So this unevenness is a reminder that they cannot just snap their fingers and do what they want. It is a reminder that every single measure to make our lives worse is something they have to enact, and therefore something we can fight against. It is a reminder that sometimes we win, that sometimes collective resistance works. It is a reminder that the entire austerity agenda is also fragile and contingent, and that however loudly its proponents try to fool us into thinking that, in the words of Margaret Thatcher, there is no alternative, there is, and we can make it happen. Saskatchewan has been governed by the right-wing Saskatchewan Party, also just called the Sask Party, for about a decade. For most of that time, austerity has been in drip-drip-drip mode, and certainly there has been some resistance to that. But about two months ago, the Sask Party government released a budget that opened the austerity floodgates. Even now, the breadth of cuts in the massive budget document are still being discovered by the media and by grassroots opponents, but they touch nearly everything. Education, environment, healthcare, housing, social assistance, transit, community organizations, cities, all of those and more are being hit and hit hard. From the very first day after the budget was presented, there was resistance on multiple fronts. One of the most high-profile and successful campaigns so far responded to proposed massive cuts to the province's public library system, resistance that has already scored a significant victory by pushing the government to back down, though it looks likely that the government will try again next year to impose cuts on libraries. Another has been around the decision to privatize the province's publicly owned bus system, which many people in remote and northern communities depend on. 
Though this campaign has also been visible and vocal, between the time of the interview and when you are listening to this, the Saskatchewan Transportation Company, or STC, will have closed its doors. And many other campaigns opposing specific cuts are active, vibrant, and ongoing. Joanne Jaffe lives in Saskatoon and is a sociologist at the University of Regina. Peter Garden runs a small radical bookstore in Saskatoon called Turning the Tide and is involved in a community organizing center called The Stand. Both are involved in specific struggles opposing this wave of austerity in Saskatchewan, and they're also both part of a new group called Stop the Cuts. This group is doing the work of supporting disparate anti-austerity efforts springing up in communities across the province by trying to be a hub for information and resources, building key infrastructure for grassroots activism and organizing in a province that has relatively little, and working to bring groups into a larger coalition that they hope will be able to effectively act together to oppose not just specific cuts and policy changes, but the entire austerity agenda. Jaffe and Garden speak with me about the political context in Saskatchewan, about the resistance that has happened so far, and about the work by Stop the Cuts to help build a broader movement. We spoke by Skype to phone from Saskatoon. Hi, I'm Joanne Jaffe. I'm a professor of sociology and social studies at the University of Regina, although I live in Saskatoon and commute back and forth. I've been doing that for about 25 years now. I'm a quote-unquote newcomer to Canada in the sense that I immigrated here at the very end of 1989 and came to Saskatchewan with my partner because of the history that Saskatchewan offers in terms of alternative ways of doing things. That history has been incredibly endangered by the current phase of capitalism that we're in, and this current government has decided, apparently, they want to undo it wholesale. And so we've gotten together to start an organization that we're calling Stop the Cuts, with a lot of other sub or what we hope will be some sub organizations connected to it, both in terms of sector and around the province. And we're going like gangbusters now. My name is Peter Garden. I run a small radical bookstore called Turning the Tide. I've been doing that for about 13 years now. I'm also part of a nonprofit called the Treaty 6 Justice Collective that uh, a couple of years ago when Turning the Tide Bookstore relocated, we started a community organizing center called The Stand at the same time. And uh, yeah, have really gotten involved with the anti-austerity organizing in Saskatchewan with Stop the Cuts. It's been actually going since before this current budget with some organizing against previous staff party cuts to a local homeless shelter called the Lighthouse. So this isn't the beginning of the cuts, but Stop the Cuts is the biggest mobilization that we've seen in Saskatchewan against the current government and the real austerity agenda has really been revealed in this most recent budget that came out in April. And I think a lot of people are feeling the sting of these cuts. Saskatchewan has historically been a province that solved its problems in a way that's unlike a lot of other places, and that it had a really thriving social economy at one time. Even today, the Federated Co-op is the largest business in the province, and we have still a lot of credit unions. But at one time, these collective solutions were considered to be the right solutions, very common solutions. And I mean, everybody knows that Medicare originates from Saskatchewan. 
it was very consonant with the kind of Saskatchewan that used to be. That was a time when you had lots of farmers out on the land. Not very many of them were very large farmers. They were family farmers, and they all were suffering together in the bad times and also often suffering together in the good times because they had larger structures that were pushing them down. And so they got together and they started to clamor for solutions. They created different kinds of solutions that would allow them to solve these problems and to solve them in a way that would be more or less equal across the board. Since the 1970s, with the advent of this more neoliberal globalized economy, that structure has been eaten away. One of the results has been lots of people have ended up being either forced out of business or else they've ended up taking themselves out of business in agriculture. So we've had a draining out of rural areas. Many of the people who remain are those who feel that they don't really want to have these solutions anymore. They can go on their own, thank you very much. They're large farmers. They're dealing on a global scale. They don't care much about their communities anymore in many cases. They may not care that much about the province. The issue for them is, is the province providing a means for them to outcompete their neighbors and make a killing? The people in rural areas used to generally vote NDP. Now those who are left, the majority of them vote for the SAS party, which is this neoliberal party, which is very much like the Republicans that you see in the United States. What's happened over the last 10 years during the economic boom, the high oil prices, is that for the first time, Saskatchewan is really a have province. And people really became attached to this idea of, you know, let's let industry go as few regulations as possible. And they're providing jobs and things are good. And the SAS party basically came to power in that context and they rode that wave. And now with the collapse of global oil prices, a lot of people have lost their jobs. There's higher unemployment rates. And the kind of, I guess, social infrastructure that was built over time when we weren't to have province is now being cut and we're now facing the possibility because the SAS party just didn't manage that boom time by raising any sort of taxes or royalty rates or anything like that. We're, we're now left, yeah, we're now left in this hole of the SAS party's creation. And they're talking about, you know, privatization of crown corporations and quite deeply cutting social programs. How did the current wave of anti-cuts activism and organizing get started? There were a number of cuts under this most recent budget. There were cuts to the libraries. They're actually winding down slash privatizing Saskatchewan's Crown Corporation bus service called the Saskatchewan Transportation Company, or STC. There's been cuts to post-secondary education, to elementary and high school education. There's been cuts to autism <laughs> services, hearing aid services. There's cuts to funeral services for people on social assistance. There's just been a raft of cuts. NORTEP, which is the Northern Teacher Education Program, which targeted the training of Indigenous teachers in the North. It's hard for me to even remember how many different areas have been cut at the same time as corporate taxes were cut, as well as individual income taxes. 
and then the rolling out of this privatization legislation, which allows the provincial government to privatize up to 49% of Crown corporations. So there's been a lot of different people impacted by these cuts. And I think pretty much everybody in the province is touched by cuts to these programs. And so people started to mobilize around their particular issues. There was a STC, the bus company group that mobilized in Saskatoon, a library's anti-cuts group mobilized in some of the rural areas and that spread. And so you saw people mobilizing around particular issues. And right now we're trying to bring those groups together to fight back in a more coordinated way against the cuts in general. And I should also say that there's been wage freezes and rollbacks pretty much across the board for public sector workers. So the labor movement's really been mobilized around that. And yeah, 10% of the funding that goes to community-based organizations has been cut. So it's really, you're seeing a lot of different people impacted by this budget and all of these different groups have been mobilizing over the last six weeks or two months or so. Maybe talk a little bit more about a couple of the specific struggles, like maybe start off by talking about the fight against the cuts to the provincial library system. The libraries group did a really good job of mobilizing pretty much the day of the release of the budget. They started mobilizing using social media and built quite a large group in a short period of time. And they then used that network to organize what they call the read-in. They went to the offices of different MLAs and brought their books and, you know, kind of did a sit-in type thing at the MLA's offices. That really scared the SAS party. There was mobilizations in a lot of small towns, and that's really the SAS party base. And they were able to win a rollback of those particular cuts. Some of the libraries folks are citing that as them being polite and not having more confrontational protests, but I think the power behind the libraries was that they were able to mobilize within the SAS party base. And I think that the SAS party saw this wave of opposition. I mean, their popular support has just plummeted since they released the budget. For the first time, they're down well below the NDP in terms of popular support. I think they thought that they needed to throw a bone to someone. But I also have to give kudos to the folks who were the library's organizers in that they did a really great job of mobilizing straight off the bat and getting those people involved around very specific actions. Even though they restored the funding, they also said that the libraries are going to undergo a review. This is a one-year abatement, basically a one-year window for the government now to figure out what they're going to do about the library. So these guys, they've been demobilized at the same time that the SAS party is still saying that they're going to make some pretty fundamental changes in the coming budget. Now, I think the SAS party understands that they can't go as far as they were going to go previously. But the win is not quite, I think, the way that it's been represented. And talk a bit more about the fight against the privatization of the provincial bus system. With STC, one of the issues is that the people who really benefit from this issue are those who are low income, they're Indigenous people, they're elderly people, they're remote, they're rural, they're northern A lot of the people who are the beneficiaries of this service, at least as passengers, are not people who are necessarily SAS party. 
But I think more fundamentally is that it's a crown. And the Sask Party has made it part of their mandate internally, I think, to undo the socialist history of this province. Whoever comes in will have to deal with the fact that the economy has fundamentally been remade. In terms of STC, we also got out of the gate pretty quickly. And right away, those of us who were really concerned about it started contacting each other. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We called a meeting within a couple days of the budget. Now, I was mentioning the fact that I live in Saskatoon and I work in Regina, and I'm totally dependent on the bus service, as are quite a few other people who use the service either to go to work or to get to their medical appointments in town. And in Saskatchewan, basically medical services, if they're above primary health care, are centralized in the larger cities. And the way you get to your appointments, if you need dialysis, if you need radiation or whatever, is you ride the bus. In the north, the bus is the only transportation that's there. The first demo that we called, believe it or not, we called a demonstration within a week of the budget at the bus depot. And we had about 500 people who showed up to that demonstration. But it just shows you the sort of interest that people have had in this. And we've continued to hold demonstrations. had a demonstration in Regina that had about the same number of people. We've had flash mobs at the depot. We've been doing leafleting. We have filed objections at the Highway Traffic Board for the bus services, at the van services that have filed to take over the bus service. So there's a small group of activists who will be showing up at those hearings, objecting to each of the applications. Just a quick interruption to reiterate that since this interview was recorded, the provincial bus system in Saskatchewan has been shut down. And also to mention the important resistance that happened on the final day that the bus service was in operation. This included a demonstration and also included a civil disobedience action in which a number of activists refused to leave the final bus to run until they were removed by the police. There was a real significant chilling effect that came out at the same time as the budget was announced and folks were mobilizing that there were within a lot of the workplaces that were facing cuts, there were threats against the workers to speak out. And we heard this again and again from public sector workers told by management that they could not speak out or the folks who were losing their jobs through FTC were threatened with the loss of their severance. Other public sector workers were disciplined for speaking out. So there is this real pressure coming down, particularly on public sector workers, to not participate and to not speak out against the cuts. What kinds of things is Stop the Cuts doing to bring together the different specific anti-cuts fightbacks that are happening in different sectors and different parts of the province? I can speak to what's happening in Saskatoon. The first time that we tried to bring folks together was at the protest of the Premier's Dinner on April 27th. We invited a number of groups to participate in that, including labour groups, the folks who were facing cuts up at NORTEP, and the folks who were protesting the cuts to the hearing aid program. I don't know more, there were representatives there. So we saw quite a few different groups who mobilized around what we called a cash for access, basically a $250 a plate fundraiser dinner. We organized a protest outside that slowed down traffic of people trying to get into that fundraiser dinner. 
And we've just had our second coalition meeting in Saskatoon that's bringing together different groups to try and form a Stop the Cuts. I don't know if you want to call it an umbrella group, but it's a coalition to bring all of these groups together. This process is happening uh, across the province. There's a meeting being held in Regina. We're hoping to form Stop the Cuts chapters in different regions across the province and then to bring together a provincial coalition that can hold coordinated actions and start to really build focused campaigns to reverse these cuts and to really build an alternative to the SAS Party's austerity agenda. And the Stop the Cuts group runs a Facebook page, which maybe sounds really pedestrian, but it isn't in this case. The strength of social media is really shown, I think, in these campaigns. With Stop the Cuts, there are a few of us who are running the page, and we're always updating it with information. But the other thing that's happening is that a lot of people are messaging us, asking us for particular information or making requests for certain things to happen, things be advertised, and so on. And I think that it also has been very important in terms of helping folks who are organizing all over the place who maybe need a little help. People are asking us to come out and hold some town halls out in rural areas to talk about the issues. So that's one of the things that we're talking about doing this summer We'll go outside of the city and start to talk about the issues. But the social media aspect of this has really taken off. So even though we just had our second real meeting last night to try and put together the coalition, the presence has been pretty strong at the level of social media. And right from the get-go, we linked up with some folks in Regina to build a Stop the Cuts website that we wanted to be a resource website that would talk about all of the different areas that were cut that would provide information on all of those that would list the different groups who were involved with organizing in different parts of the province so that people could connect to those that would have resources for people to start mobilizing. So, you know, how to contact your MLA, how to form a group and how to make decisions and, you know, toolkits that would be available for people to help them with mobilizing in their own communities and to help to educate That website's been up for a while now. It's a temporary website until we launch the full one, but it's stopthecutssk.ca. So, yeah, we're really trying to, I think, use this opportunity to build the infrastructure for this sort of movement to go forward. And I think that's really important because we haven't had that much activist infrastructure, organizing infrastructure in Saskatchewan. And I think using this as an opportunity to build the infrastructure for social movements at the same time is really critical. What are the key things that Stop the Cuts needs to be doing to overcome the disconnects that often exist between people in urban areas and people in more suburban and small town and rural areas? These town halls this summer are going to be key. Getting out and people actually meeting each other and understanding each other. There is an issue that urban people don't really understand enough about what rural people, and particularly those rural people who haven't been the ones that have been super successful in the last 20 years, people don't understand what they're dealing with. And I think oftentimes rural people don't actually have a very good view of what urban people are about and what their concerns are, why their politics are what they are. 
So I think having the opportunity for people actually to meet each other and develop some kind of common consciousness, common discourse is really important. We got to fight back against this neoliberal discourse, which has pervaded so much of our thinking, and that is going to be part of what brings the rural and the urban together. This is a real opportunity for us to talk to people and to get out of the activist bubble that tends to form in our communities and that we just talk to each other. These cuts have obviously hurt a lot of people. A lot of people are really upset about them. I think there's an opportunity for us to reach out to folks in suburban areas. I think there's an opportunity to link, you know, that cuts have been impacting folks in rural and indigenous communities, and those folks have been suffering from these for a long time. And for people to really begin to understand those cuts in more significant ways and to open that dialogue. So I think there's a real opportunity right now to both communicate and to build some common ground and a common vision for where we can take things that's different from the neoliberal consensus of privatization and, you know, open for business. That's been the whole mantra of this government. What's coming up for Stop the Cuts? Every other week, we'll be meeting to plan different events and to do some analysis of our situation. I'm hoping that by July, we have organized ourselves to start going out to hold some of these town halls or teach-ins. There's more protests coming up. So, yeah, we're continuing to build. We're continuing to try and keep the momentum up and to build this province-wide And it's going to be really key over the summer to keep the momentum up. The legislature is no longer sitting. MLAs are having barbecues and things like that over the summer. We're going to be showing up at those events to the greatest extent possible, forming flying squads and really getting out and staying in the faces of the people who are making these decisions. You have been listening to my interview with Joanne Jaffe and Peter Garden of the Saskatchewan-based anti-austerity group Stop the Cuts. To learn more about their work, go to stopthecutssk.ca. That's stopthecutssk.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.